0: Thank you. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. See if my slides are here. Hopefully, they are. Beautiful. Well, so Mike's away at ICMC with all of our campus students. So here we are. You get me today. <laughs> and. Uh, just be praying for God's impact on the next generation, right? Uh, and uh, amen, raise up some new folks to replace us old guys, right? Um, you know, today I want to continue on our theme of, of what we've been doing for, if you're visiting with us, for all the years so far, on Sunday mornings at least, is on God's love, you know, and it's... It's really, it's, it's so much to be in God's Word, to really see what His love is all about, to dig in, to really connect with. And today, I want to talk about, my title is, Standing in God's Grace. You know, it's interesting for me, because uh, I think back about, I trying to put a date on it, and I'm afraid to put a date on it, but a long time ago, I was co-leading with another, another brother in a, in a ministry, and uh, we were doing a workshop. And so in the workshop, you know, we, we had this split class, and in this class, the Brother Skip, great, great brother, he taught about grace. You know, so, and he was like Mr. Grace. It was an awesome class, right? And, well, I was Mr. Discipline, and so I got to teach the sister class on Discipline. And I think he had about 90% of the audience went to the class on grace because really only only people that don't need it want to hear about discipline. And so nobody came. And <laughs> amen, you know, and uh, I think about that, you know. It's, uh, you know, uh, I really personally needed to learn about grace. And, you know, it, uh, it's a little bit hard to think back that, you know, that you, you can get characterized that I really could be, you know, have a hard time understanding grace and you know my heart's changed a lot since that time long ago Hopefully today I'll be able to share with you some things about grace that are encouraging. But I just say that because I came from a place where I had a lot, a lot, a lot to learn about God's grace in my life. And, I, you know, I say that, I still have a lot to learn. But I want to do is spend some time today sharing with you some of the things that, that I've learned and I'm continuing to learn about walking in the grace of God. And there's a cable here somewhere. There's a song that I picked up a few years ago that I really like, that really moves my heart, and hopefully it will move yours too when I play it. Uh, and I'll put some words up here that I've got in case you know. I mean, I've been listening to the song for eight or ten years, so it... Uh, oh, this is the wrong slide deck. This is the wrong deck. There's another slide deck on that. Um, Maybe what we can do is if you can pull out my zip drive and and maybe we'll get, maybe I put the wrong deck on. Maybe we won't have any slides at all. It's all right. They were just, they were, they were just cheats anyways for you to not use your Bible. So, uh, so I'm not going to help you not use your Bible. But yeah, I told Ralph I would sing it. And but I said, that might be ugly. And so he actually got me the cable when I threatened to do that. So let me play it.
1: Right in the corner where nobody sees He's a kid with a story no one would believe
0: gracious. He uh, actually allowed me to find the right slides. And uh, Emily got him up there real quick. And so, amen. So I'm already there. I'm I'm working on being humbled again today, right? Uh, I I even had the right file, everything. But, you know, I I hear this song and it really hits my heart. You know, who will love me for me? You think about that. I think everybody has felt that at some point. Who will love me just for me? You're not what I'm going to be when I get older and wiser and, you know, more shiny, you know, not who I'll become someday, but, you know, who I am right now. You know, we're, we're all, I think every single one of us has been disappointed because we have flaws and we're not lovable. You know, I have flaws often and I'm not lovable. And in turning it around, I can't seem to find anybody here who is perfect because I've been looking <coughs> And I haven't found you yet. You know, if you're there and you're perfect, let me know because I'm looking, seriously. But you know, when I found Jesus, He was perfect. And he was, he was willing to love me just for me. And that was stunning to me. It was beyond my wildest imaginations that that could actually be possible. It says, but when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared... He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. You know, the kindness and love of God appeared in Jesus, You know, we've been talking about love in our sermons. We've been digging in and trying to understand God. You know, I just know personally for me that Jesus, that God gave me the opportunity to become his child by the washing of rebirth. You know, he knew I was dirty inside. He knew I was sinful. He knew I needed to be reclaimed. And he connected me with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. You know, I thought it was awesome what Euro was sharing out of Romans 6. You know, I didn't prep him on that, but it was perfect, you know. And, you know, having been justified by his grace, I get to become an heir of the with the hope of eternal life. You know, for me, I don't know, hope for me is is a word that I think, I have a messed up definition in my mind. I think about, well, I'm hoping that'll happen. And that's what it means, that's hoping like I win the megabucks, right? You know, even if I were to buy a ticket, I, I would not have a hope. Of winning it, It's, you know, 100 million to one. I don't feel like that's a hope. You know, this is a different kind of hope. This is a Hebrews 11 hope. This is being certain of what you don't see. That's a different kind of hope. I love that kind of hope. You know, I have a hope, something I'm confident in, of having an eternal relationship with God. You know, when we entered the kingdom, we received His grace. You know, we get it when we first believe. You know, sometimes... I think, you know, there's a number of what I'll call honeymooners here in our midst. You know, I think these guys are still honeymooners. Those guys are sort of honeymooners. Even Monique and Euro are, are sort of honeymooners. I mean, they have a child, right, who's getting bigger, so maybe not so much. You know, Giovanni Nicole are honeymooners, um, definitely. So uh, in, your, in your faith, it's easy sometimes to be in a honeymoon period. You know, where everything's shiny, things are going well in your life spiritually. You're being righteous. You're not being sinless, you know, because no one's that naive to think you're sinless. But you know, you're dealing with it. You know, it's 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 great, right? It's it's the sunny side of the street, even if it's not shiny, not shiny all the time. But you know, the longer we live as disciples of Jesus, it becomes it's not always easy uh, to stay on the shiny side. You know, the honeymoon period eventually wears out. You know, sometimes it can be way in the rearview mirror. Like you almost have to put the reading glasses on to see it in the rearview mirror. That shiny time is not uh, very clear. And yet we're not alone in feeling like it can be hard to follow Jesus. You know, the, the passage I used for my text today out of Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ whom he's given us. You know, today I'm talking about standing in God's grace coming from this passage. I actually had a much bigger sermon plan, and I, I cut out two of the the other two points and we'll circle back to them, but I'm not going to tell you what they are. <laughs> so you'll be surprised, I hope. But you know, in this passage, you know, we can rejoice and hope of the glory of God because we know, we've read Romans three, right, that says that we've all fallen short of the glory of God through sin, but you know, Jesus lets us regain hope. I can rejoice in that. I can rejoice in having hope of the glory of God, of overcoming my sin, of being forgiven. But we also we get to rejoice in our sufferings. You know, and me go, I go. What? I, no, 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 no. I, I, yeah, I'm unhappy because of my sufferings, right? I don't want those sufferings. You know, are they really related to hope? Do I really have to get this perseverance and character thing? You know, God, fortunately, awesomely, has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's a great thing. Um, you know, and I would encourage you, Romans 5 uh, is an incredible place to dig in and, and dig in on grace. I, I'm not even going to claim to touch on the hem of the garment in, in understanding grace. Remember, I'm the disciplined guy, so it's going to take a lot more work than probably for you to figure out grace but I'm working at it. And so I wanted to share with you today uh, a few of the things that, that I'm learning about grace that are well beyond the honeymoon period and how they're helping me. And, and hopefully by that, they can help you some. Right? So the first one is, is grace is security. you know. So Ephesians 2 says, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it's by grace... You've been saved. You know, not because of my good behavior. You know, J- Jesus made me alive even when I was dead in my transgressions. You know, it's, it was eye-opening for me when I first learned about the gospel of God's grace, that Jesus died so that my sins could be forgiven. You know, if we haven't made Jesus Lord, you know, it's, I think you have to figure out that there's no amount of cleaning yourself up spiritually will substitute for God's grace. But I think that's true even of disciples. You know, no amount of cleaning yourself up will fix it. You know, Kyle shared a conversation we had, I think it was last week or the week before, about, uh, you know, in relative manner, from God's perspective, my best day, my worst day, are very similar. You know, because it just goes to show you that I can't clean myself up. You know, I can't, you know, I can get my hair cut, I can shave, but, you know, in that kind of way, there's no way that I can make myself... Forgivable, you know, in God's eyes. You know, I really need the blood of Jesus to do that. You know, and it's hard. It's hard to believe that God forgave me for the things that I did before I became a Christian. You know, while they were still in full bloom, while I was still doing them, while I was immoral, while I was angry, while I was disobedient, while I was selfish. You know, but I can get there. You know, I can see that. But then it becomes harder for me even... To think that, well, he's forgiving me right now when i sin and ask forgiveness. He's already forgiven me. All I have to do is come and say, security, I need that. In fact, you see the next verse. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. <clears throat> All right, can, so no condemnation. Let it sink in for a minute. No condemnation. Has anybody ever felt, here ever felt condemnation? As a Christian? Yeah, I yeah. have. I mean, I know better than that. Look, I'm the discipline guy, right? You're supposed to be able to shiny yourself up and discipline your way out of it. But you know, he says here that if I walk in the light and I confess my sins, God's faithful and will forgive them. You know, Sin came in through Adam. That's a great read there in, uh, in Romans 5. But along with it, death. Um, Jesus came to forgive us of those sins, to get rid of the law, and to get rid of death by a sacrifice, that we can live a new life based on his grace. Think about it for a sec. Let's say it again. No condemnation. Take a breath. No condemnation. I can be forgiven of anything. There's no condemnation. That's how we should be with each other. Repent of our sins, change and grow, no condemnation. I actually feel good. No condemnation, it's good. You know, we get to live by the Spirit and not by the law. You know, when I was talking about the honeymoon period, there's that whole thing in Galatians that talks about, are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Yeah, I've done that. All my sins got forgiven, and then I figure, well, I'll just keep sin free all by myself. No, I need the grace of God. I need to be forgiven because, you know, I get stuck in this cycle. Have you ever done this? I'm in Christ, and maybe you think, okay, well, I sin, so now I'm out of Christ. Hopefully, theologically, you don't think that, but, you know, you can't think it. You know, if you're the disciplined guy, you definitely have thought it, right? What's this grace stuff? But then I repent and I confess. And I'm back in Christ again, and it, we get this cycle: in Christ, out of Christ. You know, or maybe we just need we need Jesus to repeatedly forgive our sins. We're thinking, right? You know, or maybe it comes down to well, I just need to be open with myself at communion, and that'll really make me feel right. Or maybe you've been where oh, I can't take communion because I don't feel right with God. You know, I certainly heard that. Um, I just would point you back to the scriptures, and I will here in a sec. You know, I'm standing in the grace of God. You know, get another slide here. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Great. And where where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. In Romans 6, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. I'm taking these snippets out. You can go back and, and look at them in context. But finally, in Hebrews 9, it says, So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Now, what's our word? No condemnation. Not even from Jesus. See, Jesus was sacrificed once for all for the forgiveness of your sins. If you walk in the light, your sins are already forgiven. Jesus is not coming back To be sacrificed again for your sins. To forgive your sins. You know, in the right way, he's not really concerned about that. If you're just walking in the light, it's already been done. It's a done deal. You are forgiven of your sins. There's no condemnation. You know, if you're walking in the light, you're already freed from your sins. And he's coming back to save us. To take us away. To restore his kingdom. It's awesome. And I think that's just the first thing that I'm trying to learn on my journey. Is that... I just have to keep going back. I'm already forgiven. You know, it makes it a whole lot easier to confess my sins. I'm already forgiven. You know, if I walk in the light, confess my sins, it's, it's a done deal. I don't have to worry about, well, maybe you didn't confess it good enough. Maybe you didn't repent long enough. Maybe you didn't pray hard enough. No, if I can stay in the light, my sin's forgiven. You know, so grace is security. I love that security. But the next one is, is grace is confidence. I love this verse in Hebrews 4. It says, Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Can you imagine that? The throne of grace. To me, I just imagine, this is God in heaven. Now, he was talking, the Hebrew writer was talking to priests, and they were thinking, I don't know what they were thinking, you know, sacrifice, the symbols, and so on. He said, no. You get we can approach the throne of grace with confidence so we can get mercy and we can find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, God's attitude is one of acceptance and love. Can you imagine that? I think you can't have your father, maybe a little bit. You know, kids come to you, what do you get up? Well, you know, you didn't eat your dinner, so I hate you. Get out of the house. <coughs> or, you know, I don't have a quarter to get Ryan to go swimming. <coughs> hey Ryan, here's a quarter, you know. <coughs> um, You know, but God is, hey, you know, I love you, come to my throne, I'm going to, I want you to come with confidence. You know, imagine having access to the creator of the universe. He owns, he doesn't own just the quarters in your pocket. As Ryan was saying, he owns all the quarters in everybody's pocket. He owns all the pockets, you know. He owns everything. He decides exactly how that's going to fly, how that's going to work out. You know, for me, it's become real for me in the last couple of weeks because a month ago I lost my job. And some of you may know that. And so I think that, and, you know, we're, we're a one-earner family. So now we're a, one, we're a non-earner family at this point. <clears throat> Save the grace of the uh, state of Vermont. And, uh, and I'm actively looking for a job. But, you know, <clears throat> you know to be honest, uh, I can worry. I do worry. You know, you know I can be a, I'm afraid that I won't be able to find a new job. You know, I can look ahead uh, without faith, and it becomes easy, you know, to not see God in the answer. But, you know, the the real truth is that God's able to help me in this time of need, and in a lot of ways I don't consider it as, to me it's not the the need, you know, that could be. I I think there's others around me in my community, in this community, that have needs equal or greater. But for me, it's to think about, how can I have confidence in God? How can I really trust in that? Regardless, remember we read about suffering back there in, in Romans five. How that even if I have to go through suffering, it's still God's with me. I can trust in Him. His grace is sufficient for me. It's going to get me through. And that sort of leads me into my next next thinking about grace. You know, sometimes God doesn't deliver what we want Him to deliver. You know, Second Corinthians twelve says, and this is Paul writing, to keep me from becoming conceited. Because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. <clears throat> Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties, but when I am weak, uh, then I am strong. You know, think about all this. A couple of things going on here. Can you, can you imagine knowing that God had given you uh, a messenger of Satan to be part of your continents? Wow. That's rough. And then, we, and then the fact that he gets to talk to God and God answers. God calls you up. Peter? Yep. That thing you've been praying about? It's there on purpose. No, God, no! You know, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Because the weaker you are, the better I look. Oh, come on, you know. Does it have to be that way? You know, and, and so, what i got to look at is being Mr. Discipline Guy and not understanding grace, that weakness is to help me see more how much I need God's grace. You know, the fact that I don't get it by my nature means that all the more valuable the grace is for me. You know, if you're a grace guy or woman, then maybe you just expect it. I don't expect it. And so when I get it, I'm like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. I never thought that could happen. And he starts to reveal. And I think sometimes he puts the thorns in a little deeper for you to figure stuff out. The Things that are hard to learn, you see, sometimes the thorns cut a little bit deeper. They hurt a little more. You know, they're more like thistle digging into your legs and tearing you up, right? Romans 5 says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know what suffering produces, that suffering produces perseverance. And I, was, I said jokingly earlier, I don't want perseverance. But do you really want perseverance? You know, I think it was Carl. I missed his sermon. But he, he said he doesn't pray to be humble. To be humbled. He prays for a humble a spirit of humility. Well, you know, I tell him in person, but I think God can humble you even if you don't pray for it. He can come after you, though, because he thinks, and Paul captured it, that suffering produces perseverance. It builds character and hope. Do you want hope of eternal life? Then the suffering that comes along with this life helps us to get that hope. You know, James took it a little deeper. He was a little more annoying. He said, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I'm, in, I'm suffering again. Woohoo! I'm in trouble. I'm having <coughs> trials that I can't figure out. Wait a minute. Does, has, does anybody ever do that? Woohoo! No, we call each other. I can't believe it. This has happened again. What's going on? Oh! You know, but it's God saying, Woohoo! You're figuring it out. You know, it's the hard training. It's the, it's the uh, wind sprints that you never want to do, that I hate it. Can you imagine? God's giving you wind sprints to realize that the grace He's given you is enough. To get you through. That's a hard lesson. It is a hard lesson to continue to learn. And the next one I I really want to dig in a little bit on this is grace empowers us. Titus two says, "For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ." who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are very, his very own, eager to do what is good. <clears throat> How can grace teach you to say no to ungodliness? It doesn't compete. <clears throat> you know, as a parent, I always wanted to sort of guide my children away from ungodliness. <clears throat> you know, it never occurred to me that just loving them, being gracious to them, uh, would make them want to stay away from the ungodly things. That really is the draw, really, for me, of God, is that God loves me in spite of who I am. You know, how much condemnation? No condemnation. If I'll just follow my Father. You know, it's a different way of thinking for me. Just love people and give them grace, and they will do the right thing. You know, it's true for me. It's to try to be. You know, it helps me to be more self-controlled. You know, as I said earlier, when I start thinking that way, it becomes easy to confess my sins. You know, I have a gracious God that loves me. You know, it's easy to share with my friends about how gracious God is because I really figured it out. He really is. I really stink. And He still loves me. You know, that's the same kind of love that we need to share with each other as we hope for the blessed returning of our Lord, right? Hope for eternal life. You know, God puts His arms around me and says, Come here, my son. I love you. In spite of the darkness that you've wandered into. He still loves me. His grace is that big. He's willing to, to bring me on the path of forgiveness even when I am stuck, even when I'm blinded, even when I'm not seeing where I want to go. <clears throat> you know, It says in, um, in 1 Corinthians 15, we'll finish there, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I can sign up for that. I am what I am. <clears throat> and His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. God's grace has had a bigger impact uh, on me than any rule or law I could set up. That was the point of the gospel, is that you can set up rules and you can outlaw sin and you can make people aware of sin, but only when they connect with the Savior, with God, do they really understand how to really love God, You know how to live what He wants. Rules didn't work, they still don't work, but I work harder because God loves me and He's working inside of me. You know, and back to the song that I started off the lesson with, you know, who will love me for me? Who will? Who will love me for me? God responded, I will love you for you, not for what you've done, or what you will become. I'll love you for you. I will give you the love, the love that you never knew. Amen. Thanks.